So Tristan and Isolde or Beowulf? Oh, Beowulf. A thousand times. The one with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the romance, Hannah. The tragic romance. I feel like you didn't adequately understand this story. I understood it. I just hated both of the main characters and wasn't sad when anything bad happened to them. So I feel like that's a failure on the filmmakers' parts. And I would rather watch Beowulf. So what you're saying is definitely worth 30 years of consideration from Ridley Scott. No. No, no, no. Your marriage will end 100 years of bloodshed. My marriage to another man. I'll pretend it's you. Every look he gives you, I get sicker and sicker. The bridge, I can get to it without being seen. Is it possible a man might not see treachery right in front of him? She's in love with Tristan. You don't know what you have done! And he's old. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More's Morith, Bad Movie Podcast. Where today we're talking about Tristan and his sold, starring James Franco, Sophia Miles, Rufus Sewell, Mark Strong, etc. Yeah. And Henry Cavill, who only gets top billing now because now he's famous. Exactly. It's a yeah. Small he part. wasn't at the time. And honestly, I didn't recognize him because of hair. I recognized him as being more attractive than James Franco in this movie. Accurate. (laughs) For everyone in the film. And I love James Franco. And yeah. (laughs) Well, his hair was out of control and he was crying almost the whole time. So. This movie did not do him any favors. No, he himself has said it was his most regrettable role. So this is also directed by Kevin Reynolds, who has a bit of a checkered past as a film director. Go on. He did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with Kevin Costner. Okay. Did Count Monte Cristo, which... With Jim Caviezel? Mm-hmm. Okay. He also did Waterworld. Oh, no. So he likes some big and expensive and of mixed quality. <laughs> he sure does. They either work or they don't. Wow, no kidding. And it was, of course, produced by the Scott brothers, Ridley and Tony Scott. Which is such a weird choice for them. Well, Ridley Scott wanted to do a version of this movie in the 70s. And instead, he wound up doing Alien. I feel like that, well, good choice for one thing. (laughs) Thank you. But I do feel like it would have played better in the 70s. Yeah, possibly. And it is possible also that under a different director, with a different writer, it may have turned out differently. Also... I do feel like sometimes Ridley Scott just likes ideas that are tangential to the actual story. And so he makes these movies that aren't great because what he was interested wasn't actually the story. Mm -hmm. It was like in Robin Hood, it was archery. Right. So here's the thing with this movie. It is based on a very old story that probably influenced the Guinevere Lancelot storyline in Arthurian legend. It also led to a story by a German guy, a novel by a German guy that was based on this, which led to the Richard Wagner opera, Mm -hmm. Tristan and Isolde. And this is sort of takes equally from 
the original legend, but like a little bit more from the opera, which changed it. Yeah, it does not take from the original legend that much. I've read the original legend. Yes, but both the opera. It's Souls of the White Hands doesn't even make an appearance in this. I know. <laughs> but the original legend and the opera both featured as a major plot point a love potion. Yes. It was the whole reason they fell in love in the first place, and he was not interested in that. It's also the most important conceit of the story because of the way it w would influence the way you perceive the characters and yes. also the characters' capability for making decisions. Exactly. And it changes what they were doing so much. Yes. So let's just get started on the story. We don't begin with voiceover. We begin with text. Text that looks like it came with the software. Um, it looks like Papyrus. Yes, but it actually looked like a worse version of Papyrus. Somehow. I know, and it was the worst thing in the world. I was like, oh my goodness, did I just stumble onto a movie that was made right out of film school and has two stars on IMDb? Yes. Because this, it looked so cheap and terrible with that writing. It I, was just white writing, all caps. A little bit of shadow in on the background. a worse version of Papyrus. Yeah, it, it was insanely cheap and bad looking. I can't believe that... <laughs> I can't believe anyone saw it and was like, yes. The text says, Britain, the Dark Ages. Which, like, okay, if it's the Dark Ages. That's a 500 year time frame, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and I question whether it was Britain at that point, but go on. It was, it, well, it was, they did use the word Britain uh, with an O. Okay. The Roman Empire has fallen. The land lies in ruins, divided among feuding tribes. To the west, Ireland has flourished, untouched by the Romans, protected by the sea. Unlike Britain, which isn't protected by the sea. Nope, it's an island that... Uh, <laughs> there was a bridge. They made a bridge. <laughs> Led by their powerful and ruthless king, the Irish has, have subdued the Britons, knowing that if Ireland is to prosper, the tribes must never be allowed to unite. End of opening text. So for one thing, right as of right now, what I'm feeling like is the Irish are the people we're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah, I, I got that sense too. That's not the case. The scene fades up on a young Tristan hunting rabbits with his father. Oh yeah, it's the kid from uh, Love Actually. Oh. Liam Neeson's kid from Love Actually. Yeah. That's the only other thing I've seen him in. But he's very recognizable. He is very recognizable. They return home to Castle... Tantalon, perhaps, we'll say, <laughs> where the local tribal leaders are meeting to discuss uniting against the Irish under the leadership of the strongest tribal leader. I don't know what else to call them because they have various titles that don't I seem know. to be consistent. I know. But the strongest of them is Lord Mark, played by Rufus Sewell, mm -hmm. who I was very happy to see and also very suspicious of. I know. He always plays a villain. I've seen A Knight's Tale too many times to be accepting of his honesty at first sight. It's also not the only movie that he played a villain in. I mean, no. he has a villain's face. Yes. So then we cut to a shot outside the fort, which anyone who's seen a movie knows means they're about to be attacked. Yeah, I was so nervous as soon as I saw that. Yeah. Sure enough, some Irish soldiers with grass stuck to their backs start army crawling to the fort. Classic. Yes. Just as they begin to sign the pact, the sentries call out the alarm and full-fledged fighting breaks out. The British are defeated, somehow. I mean, like, come on, guys. It was your own fort. Yeah, very unclear how. Yeah. The British are defeated and the fort is set on fire. 
in more of a random spot kind of way, just so we know how trashed it's been. Yeah. And Tristan is saved from being killed by Lord Mark, who takes him back to Castle Dor in Cornwall and adopts him as his own because his own parents have been killed. And King Mark came back with one less hand than he left with. Yes, he did also get his hand cut off. So, good for you, buddy. Also, it's heavily implied that, like, the Irish only knew about this because somebody ratted them out. They were going to be having this meeting. Yeah. And I was instantly suspicious of Lord Mark. <laughs> uh, that's not solved now, though. In Ireland, a young is sold attends the funeral of her mother. Her maid says her death was caused by a fever, but a soul thinks it was caused by her heart. You are like eight years old, a sold. Really? You think your mother died of a broken heart? I, also, we were never given any indication why she thought that. Later on, she kind of talks about her father not loving her mother and her father being maybe mean to her mother, but it's... It doesn't seem it's like it was... It's also the Dark Ages, so I, I find it hard to believe that that's unthinkable. Well, yeah, and like, for one thing, a loveless marriage wouldn't have been uncommon no. at the time. So unless your father was like like, full-out abusing your mother nonstop, like, she was probably fine because she had her clan and her friends and... Yeah, and her maids. Right. She would have had love, maybe not romantic love, but she would have had love and community and fellowship, and people back then weren't necessarily expecting more than that. Yeah. It not was, within a marriage, necessarily. Yeah, it was a weird comment, especially for someone that young. I know. So, like, I feel like what her mother may have died of is depression if she thinks that it was caused yeah. by emotional issues. I know. Like, maybe your mother struggled with depression. Anyway, nine years later and back in Cornwall, Tristan grows up to be James Franco. Yeah, he, nine a, years later, which, how old was that <laughs> little kid supposed to be? I mean, James Franco's like 28. Well, we he needs him. to be 18 to make it even even a little bit plausible. Yeah, I have to say also that it's just as well that Tristan's dad died because he looked a little bit too much like Willem Dafoe from some angles. <laughs> just like an Irish Willem Dafoe. <laughs> uh, British. Okay, what? whatever. My goodness, Hannah. They're not Irish. They're British. <laughs> Tristan is as loyal to Lord Mark as he would be if he was his own son. And he's also a very fierce fighter, which we are told. Also, he has very fluffy hair. Yeah, his hair is out of control. It's it's very close to becoming a fro. It was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And as, speaking of hair, Rufus Sewell got a haircut, and I, that made me sad. Yeah, it was still a thousand times better than anything going on on most of the other characters' heads. Accurate. Isolde so. grows up in Ireland to be Sophia Miles. Her father betrothed... Good choice, Isolde. <laughs> yes, could have done a lot worse for yourself. Her father betrothed her to his military commander, Morholt. A guy I kind of liked a little until he started trying to flirt with his sword. And the stuff really, got real gross real Well, fast. he's really bad at it because he's just talking about the poison on his sword. And he's like, hey, I like making potions too. Look, I poison people with my sword. And I'm like, oh, yeah, ladies love poison. Yeah, but like when we first saw him, he was like, Kind of that big bumbling, like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at fighting things, but, like, I'm yeah. really awkward around women. And I was like, oh, you're so sweet. And I would love for your soul to yeah. love you and get, and then you guys to get to married. And then he started talking about potions that 
are inappropriate for unmarried women to hear about. Well, and then he also uh, does, some, does some stuff later where I was like, oh, no, you're terrible. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. So I was like, why did you set him up to be an endearing, lovable oaf? And then yeah. just switch it on. They just pulled the rug out from under me. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, so he does mention, like you said, he mentions that he coats his sword with pufferfish poison, a poison a soul knows how to counteract. So the Irish king, whose name I never was able to figure out how to pronounce, he will be called the Irish king throughout this entire thing. Yeah, I, I really hope there are no Irish people listening to this. <laughs> if if so, Especially... please tell me how to pronounce the guy's name. I couldn't ever, I could never hear it enough in conversation, and yeah. the spelling of it is baffling. So the Irish king sends Morholt to collect young slaves as tribute from Cornwall. The conversation between the king and I don't know who this guy is, his steward maybe, or like another general, or it confused me a lot because for one thing, the Cornish, they say that the Cornish castle was rebuilt, which I guess they did nothing to stop, even though they're collecting tribute from them. Uh, yeah. They send their top generals to collect this tribute. I know, it's weird. And they're like, oh, they rebuilt it with stone this time. And I was like, couldn't you have controlled that? Right. Well, yeah, because then they send, he, the king gives very explicit instructions on what to do in case there's a rebellion. But there's no mention of a previous rebellion, and you didn't stop them from rebuilding the castle. If this is a notoriously rebellious area that you guys are controlling, why wouldn't you keep a tighter hold on them? This was very confusing. I didn't understand this. Because honestly, all of this felt like it didn't matter to the filmmakers. It felt like this was just what we need to set up so that Tristan and Isolde can get together. Yeah. So the Irish go to Cornwall to, you know, collect these slaves. They kill the Cornish that resist, including Tristan's friend. I mean, mostly Tristan's friend. It was mostly Tristan's friend as a warning to the others. But, you know. Tristan and Lord Mark gather up the other tribal leaders to lead an attack on the Irish. The other leaders, who can show up in person at the drop of a hat, apparently, seem reluctant to join forces, but I guess they do, because the next thing we see is a series of guerrilla attacks on the Irish. I guess so. Was this the first time that we see Mark Strong? We saw him in the opening scene. So there, there's one tribal leader named Wictred, who is played by Mark yeah. Strong, and he shows up whenever there's a tribal council. I forget which group he's in charge of. but Yeah. Well, Mark Strong's hair made me stop believing in God. So <laughs> his hair in this movie was so flattened that it was like somebody had clearly done it on purpose and his hair and James Franco's hair needed to meet in the middle (laughs) somewhere. Yeah. Although to be fair, Mark Strong's hair was probably the much more realistic. Yeah, I know. That's true. James Franco's was very clean and bouncy and conditioned. Yeah. Oh man. The British defeat the Irish, but Tristan is wounded by Morholt. It's not a fatal wound, but the puffer fish poison paralyzes him, so they all think he's dead. Yeah, this is where we see that Morholt super duper deserves to die, because when they start getting attacked, they don't want them to get rewarded for attacking them, so they're like, kill the slaves, so they start just jabbing swords into the little cages they have everybody in and start murdering people, (laughs) mostly women that we can see. So by this point, you're like, yes, okay, we can kill this guy. Yeah. Yeah, so his friends think he's dead. 
even though one of them can smell the poison on the blade, so they know he's been poisoned, but I guess they think it's a fatal poison. Also, yeah. I would love to know what this pufferfish poison smells like, because that place looked rank, and he could still smell the poison on that blade. I know. Like, you must be able to smell this from a mile off. Like, this must be the most pungent poison of all time. I know. I... There was, like, blood and gore everywhere. Well, limited. This was a PG-13 movie. Yeah. But you could still oh, wow. smell it fine off that dirty blade. He's gifted. Speaking of witches. Well, this poison, though, everyone can smell it immediately. Like, if you know what it is, you recognize that scent instantly. Yeah, that's... As we will see. That's true, I guess. So I don't know what it smells like, but you guys need to choose a subtler poison if you don't want it to be cured pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. So his friends send him off on a boat, like, you know, Viking funeral style. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really catch fire the way you'd, you'd expect... Luckily for Tristan. Yeah. And he floats to Ireland. I know. He has no burns from this later. No, he doesn't. Which seems unrealistic. Yeah. And the things that catch fire, it's just like these little fires that maybe keep him warm on his journey to Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And no one's like, oh, it didn't do it the way it's supposed. They all seem fine with it. So I'm like, I wonder if this was like the norm was just like you try and set it on fire, but a lot of the time it doesn't really catch. And then, you know, what's good enough is good enough. (laughs) Yeah. What, are you going to swim out there and get it? It's fine. Yeah. So in Ireland, Isolde, while running away from her betrothal, finds Tristan washed up on the beach. Kind of tipped out of his boat. Yeah. Like you do. Very unharmed by the trip. Just a little cold. She nurses him back to health, which includes a weird, like, we have to get naked and warm him up scene. I don't. Yeah. It felt very weird. Like, they kind of played it for laughs. Like, first she's, like, taking stuff off. And I'm like, whoa, this just got, like intense real fast but then she makes the maid do it too because they have to warm him up because he yeah. was cold and, and i'm like well now i just feel weird like i don't know what's going on here I but i don't know why you included it and i don't like it no <laughs> no me either and then when he wakes up sort of she's like you're in ireland before he says anything yeah. and i was like how would why would you say that why would you assume that he's not from ireland she also cures the puffer fish poison which she can also easily smell On his body. Yeah. She, like, sniffs his arm and is like, he's been poisoned. (laughs) When Tristan finally wakes up, looking super gross and sweaty, she tells him... I know, he looks like he's got some kind of Vaseline all over his face. It was... What I'm saying is he's really hot. And he's sweating so much more. Like, she's in the cave with him. Yeah, I know. Maybe he's supposed to be sweating out the poison or something. Who knows? It's unclear. Isolde tells Tristan that she's a lady-in-waiting. And lies about her name and tells him she's in Ireland and whatever. They fall in love while he's recovering. Which is insane. How am I supposed to care about that and think that they're really in love? Because they just saw each other a few times in a cave. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, but we're really in love and you're supposed to care about it. And I was like, I don't though. I'm like, I know it's just because you guys are both young and attractive and so you guys are attracted to each other. Like, don't make this out to be the romance of the Yeah, I'm sorry. I I don't feel like you could never get over this. Yeah. And their little romance includes her reading bits of the Song of Solomon to him, which is well known to be, yes, the sexiest book of the Bible. But she's not reading the naughty bits. That's funny. My question is, okay, here's the setup, right? We are told that Christianity is a new religion. Her particular tribe isn't Christian. Her father certainly isn't. And he's very dismissive of Christianity. Mm Mm-hmm. 
There's apparently a convent that has been built nearby and is populated by nuns, so it can't be that new, but whatever. A convent that's near enough that she can go over and visit, which I guess is where she came across the Bible. Apparently, she can read the Bible. That was surprising to me. She can also write... Yeah. And, and she, she has can... a little journal because paper was super cheap at the time. So she has a, a pretty big, like, mini-paged journal that she has copied bits of the Bible from. My questions, aside from the obvious, are who had this young girl come to the convent to read the Bible and thought, you know what? You need to read the Song of Solomon. Oh, yeah. That should they, be your starting point. They would for sure not have read that to her. Um, here's the other thing. And she wouldn't have found it on her own. It's just stuck in there in the middle. So a lot of questions about that. Why be capable of feelings if we're not to have them? Why long for things if they're not meant to be ours? That's a very dumb question, for I one thing. I The whole point of this movie should have been to prove that just because we long for something doesn't mean we deserve it. Yeah. This was dumb. And the fact that you brought this up and then seemed to justify it at the end, like, this movie didn't really know what it was trying to say. Because there's times when it's a huge advocate for love over duty, and then there's other times when it's a huge advocate for duty over love, and it never comes to any sort of conclusion on that. No, because the way they ended it was like, well, wasn't that sad, but everything's fine. It's like they waffle between whatever they need to make a a moment especially poignant. I think that's all it is, yeah. And that was kind of the shortcoming of the movie. Mm -hmm. I thought so, too. I couldn't tell. I genuinely couldn't tell at one point. I was like, I hate these characters, but I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. Yeah. And that's not great for a viewer. Yeah. I don't think we were. I also hated them. Also, um, dear Sophia Miles, people want lots of things that aren't good for them. I want to eat a whole cake. (laughs) But that would be bad for me for so many reasons. Yeah. The answer that they didn't come up with, but that they should have, which is, is like, use your common sense. Use moderation. Ooh, moderation. I don't like that word. I know. They don't either. Most epic love things tend to not like moderation. Yeah, don't tell me what to do, Rose. Yeah. Whatever. Then they do it in what I guess is supposed to be romantic abandon. But which actually just seemed like something like the entire time I was watching it was just going to ruin her life. Like there was no outcome in which her life was not ruined by this romantic fling in a cave. I know. Which, accurate. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it did turn out to ruin her life. Although mostly because she ruined her own life. Ugh, they were so annoying. Anyway. I know. (laughs) Then a wanderer finds the boat of his funeral pyre. On the shore, like, they just left it there on the shore. And there was, his sword is buried in the sand, and he finds that too. And then the guy, the general maybe, or whoever this guy was that the Irish King sent over. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, put, they gave everyone a name and no one a title. Yeah, I know. What was I supposed to do with that? This was ridiculous. They also didn't say people's names enough. No, and they didn't refer to people by their titles. This was very confusing. And look, I'm just going to say it. A lot of these people looked the same. They were all long-haired and dirty and white. And (laughs) guys who were, you know, between 30 and 50. 
They all looked the same. It's the Game of Thrones problem. Everybody looks the same. Yes. White people can all look the same, even to white people. If you costume them similarly and give them similar hair and then dirty them all up, yeah, they're all going to look a little bit the same. For sure. On on TV shows, if there are two day players with the same hair color, (laughs) I'm like, I don't know which girl that is. (laughs) No. You've lost me. Yeah. So the... A guy who was in our, or who is Irish and was in Britain, he comes back with the news of their defeat and Warholt's death. So Tristan and Isolt say a tearful goodbye because now they're on the search for a British soldier there. And Isolt gives a really unconvincing reason why she can't come with him. Tristan, we both know this can't be. We've known it from the stars. That doesn't mean it isn't true. It is. Just cannot be. Why? You already have a man willing to marry you of of a position where he can provide for you. You've lied about your identity, so you can just and he's totally fine with it. You can keep pretending you're a lowborn woman. There's no downside to this. No one's gonna recognize you. <laughs> Go off and live your life as a British guy. Yeah, so this was the other thing. Because they deviated so much from the original story. Um, there wasn't a reason for them to, uh, like, find each other Mm -hmm. and fall in love, but then be kept apart. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they, they just had people making choices and using different rationalizations throughout the movie just to fit what they wanted to happen. And I think part of this problem is we've already seen that she doesn't like her father very much. Mm -hmm. So she's not particularly loyal to her people. Yeah. And she doesn't like her father. So we don't understand why she stays. And to be fair, her father's super duper evil. So, like, we understand why she doesn't like him. Yeah. But it makes it really hard to understand why she feels like she should stay. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think that actor who plays her father only plays evil guys. But, yeah, she doesn't even do what her maid tells her to do. And that's presumably her closest relationship. Yeah. And she keeps telling her, stop having an affair. And she's like, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, then Tristan sails back to Cornwall. The Irish king plots some more against the British, finally deciding to drive the tribes further apart by offering his daughter and her dowry to the British tribe that wins. I'm going to call it a duel. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It was a contest of strength between all the tribes. Yeah, it's like a wrestling match. (laughs) A sword fight combo. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to call it a duel, just for the sake of brevity. Yeah. I'm not really exactly sure how this is going to drive the British further apart than they already are, but he seems confident in it. So. Yeah. Whatever. Well, because they weren't killing each other in this thing. Well, yeah, they weren't working together at all already. I mean, I guess they worked a little bit together against him, but like, oh I yeah, don't but I understand. But I meant like in this contest, they're not killing each other, so I don't know how it's going to drive them farther That's a good point. apart. It was not a contest to the death, which no. I thought was weird. Yeah. Like, if this was this valuable to your clan, why wouldn't it be to the death? Yeah. Right after Lord Mark gets this news from, I don't know, a messenger. Tristan shows up, and he and the town rejoice at his rearrival. Our golden son is back. Yes. Let's ignore my nephew some more. That will never come back to bite me. Nope. My nephew played by Henry Cavill, in case we were curious. Yeah. Tristan's sad, though, remembering a soul reciting love poetry that would be written a millennia later. 
Oh no, really? She's quoting from John Donne. Well, and I assumed the reason that they used the Song of Solomon was because it was the only existing love poem they knew of at the time that wouldn't be anachronistic, except that then they started using this John Donne poem. Yeah. So I don't really know why they used it. Weird choice. Anyway, Tristan does think that winning the tournament and pulling together the other tribes by dividing up the dowry between them is a good idea. So he goes as Lord Mark's champion. The Irish try to wit- to rig the games so that the least liked leader wins because they've overheard this whole thing about Lord Mark going to use this to unite the tribes again. This plot point never gets old. I know. But this movie's not called Wicked and is sold, so of course Tristan beats <laughs> everyone else. Yeah, exactly. The Irish king grudgingly hands a sold over to Tristan, who's pretty surprised to see her. Also, a sold is a huge idiot because she thought she was going to marry Tristan. Yeah. Was she not told? Did she not understand that these were representatives? Nope. That the king themselves, like they were not actually going to come and fight for her hand. She she couldn't pull her nose out of the dirty parts of the Bible long enough. I know. Especially since Wicked is, like, specifically says, I came myself. Yeah, I know. Implying that no one else has. Everybody here is not, they didn't send their own kings. I guess she was so distracted by how awesome it was to see Tristan again that she didn't think about it anymore. Well, at least someone was. (laughs) Then, just in case we weren't sure the Irish king was the worst, he tells his steward he'll disavow Isolde after she marries Lord Mark so that the British alliance will crumble. Really? How's that gonna work? I know. That doesn't make sense. Do you think that's gonna make them trust you more? Yeah, no, it, it, it is not going to. And like, well, no, now we have to side with the Irish because this guy is such a jerk that he disavowed his own daughter who he handed off to a foreign king to marry. Yeah, this guy double-crossed someone, so let's get on his side. Yeah, double-crossed two people, one of whom was his blood relation. Yeah. On the boat ride over, there are sadly no love potions at all. <laughs> exactly. Instead of drinking love potions, Tristan and Soul just talk about their feelings. Soul doesn't want to marry another man. But Tristan recognizes the lives it will save and says they have to. Also, Isolde, you had your chance to marry Tristan and you passed it up. So don't act like now all of a sudden you're more swayed by love than duty before you were more swayed by duty than love. Make up your mind. Exactly. Also, nobody feels bad for you that you have to marry Rufus Sewell. Well, yeah, especially because he, as we will see, is super duper adorable. He's so awesome. Like, if I was arranged married to someone, it would be this guy. Yeah, same. Or like anyone. Even not arranged married. Yeah. Yeah. We see him fretting enduringly over whether she'll like him and whether the hand will bother her. His lack of hand, he has a fake hand that he sometimes uses, which is much creepier than just not having (laughs) one. Because it's just metal. (laughs) Yeah. This will blend. No one will notice. But then they marry and there's a party and everyone's throwing glitter for some reason. Oh, I was like, is this what? Is it sprinkling water or did they do they allegedly have glitter? Right before Lord Mark and Isolde go up for their wedding night, Isolde asks Tristan what he would do if they weren't bound by duty. But Tristan says there's no point in thinking about it accurate <laughs> so a soul tells him that she'll pretend it's him how is that better yeah it's not that's way worse why would you say that oh my gosh and so unhealthy like you realize you're gonna be married to this guy forever right and and tristan is like his adopted son 
Yeah. This is not a good way to start this out. Nope. We see their relationship continue. Lord Mark is treating Isolde really well, and Isolde is, of course, spending time with Lord Mark because they're married and she has to. (laughs) (laughs) But Tristan moves out of the castle because he can't stand to watch them together. Mark's concerned about Tristan's moodiness, which makes him (laughs) the only one in the whole theater who was. Yeah. And Isolde offers to talk to him. Tristan basically throws a hissy fit about how oh she's not goodness. constantly sad without him. Well, you don't seem like you're having a very hard time when he showers all his affections on you. <laughs> I know. You're not sorry constantly I... just hating being with him. Yeah, sorry I did that thing that you told me I had to do. Yes. Which she reminds him of. And then she arranges to meet him at an old Roman bridge. Yeah. So this marks, we've already entered the stage where Tristan cries all the time. And you've never seen James Franco look more feminine. So (laughs) what I'm saying is I can see why she's into him. In a lot of ways, James Franco in this movie reminded me of Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. (laughs) And that they were both tragically miscast and had terrible hair and were super moody the entire time. Yeah. At a meeting of the tribes, they confirm that Mark will be king, and Mark names Tristan as his heir over his nephew, who's a blood relation, Melo. I don't know how you yeah, say Mellot. Mel- I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they are in a place. The castle has a French name, so it's possible that it's a French name. But yeah, I don't. No, and I didn't catch it. So I'm, <laughs> if anyone knows how to correctly say his name, I apologize. In private, Tristan turns the job down, but Mark won't let him. Also, he encourages him to marry. No man should be alone. You shouldn't be alone. Love is the most important thing in the world. And then a soul is wandering by, so Mark gets her in on being like, yeah, Tristan loves the greatest thing in the world. There are other things to live for. Duty. Honor. They are not life, Tristan. They are the shells of life. And empty ones, if in the end all they hold are days and days without love. Love is made by God. Ignore it and you suffer as you cannot imagine. Says the person married to the nicest man in the world. Right. Really? Get are over you yourself. suffering beyond imagination? So this is my thing with this movie. I was like, you should have gotten over yourself and learned to love Mark because he's amazing and he loves you so much and he's so nice. Yes. And that's honestly so much more than you could have expected. And it's a thousand times better than being married to Tristan would be. I'm just going to yeah, say right up front. That's my other thing. It's not like Tristan is better. No. he's He seems like the worst. He's just super emotional. He's just going back and forth on love over anything else or not. Yeah. He's the worst. And he's not more, I'm sorry, he's not more attractive than Rufus Sewell. No, he's not. I mean, Rufus Sewell's older, but like, at the time, you would have expected that. It would have been really weird to be married to someone as young as Tristan if you were that powerful. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I'm having a really hard time feeling bad for Sewell on this one. Oh, she's a dummy. Because, like, you won the marriage lottery. I feel bad for Rufus Sewell. The entire time. The rest of this movie on, the person that I was rooting for in this movie was Rufus Sewell. He became the hero for me. Yes. Which is a bit of a problem for them. (laughs) I know. So, Tristan agrees not to ignore love. 
which, oh my gosh, I thought it meant he was going to get married because in the poem, he marries a woman named Isolde of the White Hands. He leaves. He can't take it. I mean, to be fair, their affair is also discovered. But that, so then he leaves and he goes off and marries someone named Isolde of the White Hands, who's also super pretty and named Isolde because there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in this movie at all. There is no Isolde of the White Hands. So they basically begin their affair that night, which, I mean, hopefully the warriors ride out on the full moon. Which happens to be tonight. <gasps> and no one knows that Tristan's missing. So that makes it a perfect night to cheat on your husband. Woo! And they're not gone all night, by the way, because we see a dance later on that yes. night. So no one notices Tristan missing. And they have to be back in time for the dance. Which I feel like, as Lady of the Castle, she probably would have had to help set up. Yeah, and get a lot of stuff ready. But, you yeah. know, it, it, plenty of time to go stuff. have a Tristan in the forest. They're already pros. Yeah. Meanwhile, his nephew, who we will be calling Henry Cavill, because I cannot say his character name, (laughs) is trying to convince Lord Mark that he should be the heir, but no one cares. Tristan and Isolde continue their affair. Isolde seems torn sometimes about both the quality of their relationship and her betrayal of Lord Mark, but it does not slow her down at all. (laughs) I know. She's like, I feel bad, but mm, not stopping. He's a really nice guy, and I feel like our relationship isn't going to go anywhere or ever be satisfying in any way, but you know what? Let's keep going. Yeah. She is also, like, waxing poetic about, like, not being able to hold hands at the market like normal couples because our lives are so difficult and awful as I'm having an affair on my husband, my wonderful husband. And so Tristan devises a way to secretly hold hands with his soul at the market. Uh, Don't worry. They're the soul of subtlety and discretion. (laughs) Nobody's getting wise to this. And it was very easy for me to watch without screaming. (laughs) Well, certainly not Wictret, who's having a drink at the market like you do. At the market of somebody else's castle. He just gets to hang out there all the time, I guess. Why are you in town, sir? So he, of course, immediately sees them and plots with the Irish king to use Isolde's affair to break the alliance. One night, Mark notices Isolde is missing and they almost get caught, but they don't. Yeah. She shows back up with a lame excuse, and he's like, I didn't ask where you were, so <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. And then the next day, Mark tells Tristan... Even that though you he, kind of feel like he's starting to get suspicious. Oh, he totally is. I mean, yeah, because yeah, the next day he tells Tristan that he thinks Isolde has a lover. Tristan realizes that Mark really, really loves Isolde. He really straight up, he realizes it because he straight up asks him, and I was like, maybe you should have asked him before you started cheating with his wife. Considering this man is a surrogate father to you. Yeah, um, I know. Oh, uh, I guess I didn't think about the fact that you might love your wife, and I just now thought to ask. Right. Uh, quick and question. that I love and respect you. Yeah. Do you know a wizard who knows time travel? <laughs> yeah. Tristan tells Lord Mark that he's sure Isolde is loyal to him, and then burns the grotto where they usually meet. The Irish king comes into town for Lord Mark's coronation, and during the coronation, the Irish sneak attack the British soldiers. Because, of course, they do. I mean, the Irish are literally the worst. I don't know why they set them up in I know. The, the opening text. Like, they were the ones we were rooting for. It was so strange. It's like nobody watched a cut of the final cut of the movie. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, it's like, we're always pro-Irish, right? I think that's the way that works. This is America. Everybody wants to be Irish. Right. The Irish have been under British control for so long. We're always rooting for them. Oh, wait. No, this is before that? Oh. Yeah. But also, Wicked forces Tristan and Isolde to dance together. 
apparently this is the first time they've talked since Tristan burned the grotto down because Isolde questions him and then demands he meet her there. Yeah, that was weird. Like, real pushy. And also, like, um, in the middle of your husband's coronation party. How would you not get caught? Yeah, also, can we talk about the fact that when they walk into the the place to get coronated, <laughs> there are Gregorian chants to be heard in the background? Are you serious? Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Who knows when these things first came apart. <laughs> Yeah, so, and when Isolde said that he had to meet her there, she meant, like, right at that second, because they both find excuses to leave the party. Yeah, exactly. So, Wictred says they should all ride out for the full moon, which they weren't going to do for the coronation, but Lord Mark's like, sure, yeah, let's do it. And they catch the two of them hugging, scandalously. Which is funny, because Tristan was trying to break up with Isolde, but... Oh, well. Right. But he hugged her. And I mean, there was kind of a conversation that I didn't really care much about, about like, the duty, oh, love. This is the conversation of the entire movie thus far. And they have both been on different sides of it, depending on what we need to make the conflict keep going. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't even need to be hugging. If they had just been standing there, it would have been oh, still yeah. it was super way too suspicious. much. The Irish king and Wictred use it as an excuse to call off the alliance. Because if a man can't control his wife, how can he control a country? And all the other tribal leaders question his ability to I rule I feel like as well. there's a really easy answer to that that they probably would have used back then and been like, well, this woman's an evil slut. <laughs> you know women. I mean, I really feel like that's what they would have said. I do think they still would have questioned his ability to rule. Although yeah. 100% Isolde would have been killed. I mean, yeah. come on. You're just like, well, this was a bad one. But I do think his ability would have still been questioned because, like, why didn't he know sooner? Why didn't he do something about it to control mm-hmm. the situation? Yeah. Wictred and the other leaders meet, and Wictred proposes they band together behind Lord Mark's nephew, Henry Cavill, to attack the castle the next day. And his nephew's, like, super on board with this. Yeah, he Surprisingly. Is. Out of nowhere. This feels... I get that they've kind of been trying to set him up as someone who feels overlooked and feels like he's been not treated fairly, but this still feels like it was a little out of the blue. Yeah, it does. Lord Mark goes to talk to Tristan in jail, and he rips him a new one, and everything he says is super-duper accurate. He calls him selfish, a liar, accuses him of destroying the Alliance. Don't I worry, Tristan. on his side. Yeah, for sure, and don't worry, Tristan is crying in jail. <laughs> yes. And he also, on to, for his benefit, he doesn't try and defend himself at all. Yeah. Then Lord Mark goes to talk to Isolde, who tells him of their whole affair from the beginning, that they met before he she'd ever met Lord Mark, and they fell in love then. So Mark, because he is the greatest human being on the face of the planet, has some servants free Tristan and take him to where Isolde is waiting for him by a boat so that they can go off and live their love together. (laughs) They're both torn about their relationship, but Isolde is totally fine with leaving with him. Oh, yeah. She's down with it. She's like, this is great. Well, she's kind of like, oh, it's a shame it had to be like this. Well, let's go. Like, it. There is a little bit of the regret that it turned out this way, but, like, not really enough regret to make her change her decision at all. Mm -mm. Tristan, however, says that if they go, their love will be remembered as the love that brought down a kingdom, which definitely feels like the wrong reason to go back, but it's the only reason he gives. I know. Really? 
You're worried that your love will be remembered as having brought down a kingdom. Not that your love will bring down a kingdom. I just, but that it will be remembered as the love that brought down the kingdom. And I just can't have people talking about yeah, us I like that. I just don't want people to say that about me. I don't want that on my tombstone. Yeah. So he gets sold into the boat and then just, like, pushes her off and, like, runs back to the castle. Uh, Sold was not super happy about that. So the attack begins on the castle. Henry Cavill shows Wictred the secret way into the castle that they discovered early in the movie. And then, shockingly, Wictred betrays him. It was like he didn't realize it was Mark Strong the whole time. I know, right? (laughs) Mark Strong is the only man who could usurp Rufus Sewell as villain in a movie. (laughs) That's why they had to cast him. Yeah. How did you not expect this from somebody who this entire time has been twisting things to break apart alliances the whole time. I know. Tristan also is going into the castle that same way later on, and he finds Henry Cavill dying. And Henry Cavill says that he betrayed Mark because he thought someone finally believed in him. Okay. Okay, no one cares, do Yeah, and I think we're really supposed to care about this dying scene and the poignancy of his regret because he offers no other information So this is the only reason we're seeing it. Yeah. But I didn't care. So it just felt like a waste of 30 seconds to me. I know. I was like, oh, I kept forgetting you were in this. I know. I didn't need need this to be wrapped up. Yeah. Tristan rushes in at just the right moment to save Mark and his his soldiers, (laughs) taking several stabs to the stomach, but still killing Wictred in the process. Lord Mark implies his forgiveness, and then Tristan somehow chops off Wictred's head, stands up, and walks out to show it to the Irish. Then Lord Mark gives a short but stirring speech to the other tribal leaders, forcing them to choose him or the Irish king, who mistakenly thinks he's got a shot at winning that choice. And weirdly, it's like he just walked out and shamed them into not rebelling. He's like, is this really what we've come to? How <laughs> dare you? And they're like, oh, no, you're right. I feel bad about this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these were leaders that definitely ruled with just emotion. Like, they oh, were just yeah. swayed by whatever emotion they were feeling at the oh, moment. Oh, I know. These people would have been terrible leaders. <laughs> they, of course, don't choose the Irish king because we're too too far along in this movie. He gets an arrow in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the British and the Irish fight while Tristan falls over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Tristan's request, Mark takes him to the river and a servant finds a soul helpfully standing nearby in the courtyard. Somehow she got back. Yeah, and just thought she'd hang out in the middle of what looks to be a very serious battle. Yeah, also, can I just say that Tristan sucks for just pushing the boat off with just these two ladies in it <laughs> with nowhere to go and don't know what they're going to do? Yeah, luckily I think it was still pretty shallow when they realized what was going on. Yeah. So the servant takes a soul to the river also, and Lord Marks leaves them alone together. Tristan basically says he regrets nothing about their love, which I think is the wrong message to take away from this. Agreed. And then dies. Thank goodness you didn't live. You would have made terrible choices your whole life. I know. It was basically, it was basically like, you're right. Love is more important than death or than life or death. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If that was true, then you would have left Lord Mark to rot in that castle alone. Unless you mean that... Your love for Lord Mark was more important than any of this. Yeah. Which is arguably true. should have been true. It should have been true. And you can't say that this undoes what you did. 
No, it doesn't because you were the reason all of this happened in the first place. Yeah. If you guys hadn't been having an affair, they couldn't have used it against you. Isolde quotes some more John Dunn to close us out. And then we get some closing text, just as bad as the opening text, that says their love did not bring down a kingdom. Legend set like they really existed. Like these are historical figures who actually impacted history. I know, that was so weird. Yeah, legend says that Lord Mark defeated the Irish, rebuilt Castle Dor, and reigned in peace until the end of his days. Sold, laid Tristan beneath the ashes of the Roman ruin, planted his grave with two willows that grew forever intertwined, then disappeared. That's the end. So weird. Yeah. Yeah, let's really not pretend that this is a historical event that happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's weird. Okay. So in the the poem and the opera and basically every verse, like it's like the one distinguishing factor of the Tristan and Isolde story that separates it from all of the other star-crossed lover stories. Yes. Is the fact that they drink a love potion. And a, yes. mo- a lot of the time, but not all the time, they don't know what it's going to do to them. Yeah. So they don't have responsibility for their actions. Exactly. That's not to say they can't struggle against their love. And a lot of the time they do. Like, they're horrified to know what's happened, but it's too late. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to feel sympathy for them. This is, you know, a supernatural force that's pulling them together. This is a love that they can't control, even if they try and struggle against it, which is why in the poem... He eventually just has to leave. And even then, he's still hung up on his soul. But, you know. Yeah. And in this case, these people were choosing love continually over and over and over again. And it was based on nothing more than a fleeting romance that happened. Yeah. That happened when, for one thing, Isolde felt that she was being locked into a loveless marriage with a man who's just super gross. <laughs> And Tristan was super duper grateful that a hot woman had saved him from dying. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like this is just they were childhood sweethearts or anything. No, it there was no basis for the kind of relationship they were trying to imply that they had. Which is why the love potion would have worked better. I know. Because then you get this thing of like, but what if you can't control... Yeah, and then it's really not their fault. Whereas, right. you know, here you're like... Okay, lots of people don't get to be with the people they want to be with. Yeah. You just have to suck it up and get over it. Like, guess what? For every breakup, mm-hmm. most most of breakups have one person that still wanted to be in that relationship. You just have to get over it. Especially not when Lord Mark was so nice. It's not even yeah. that he was distant. He, like, actually loved her and treated her really well and yeah. spent a lot of time with her. Oh, and yeah. And cared about her feelings and everything. He really did. And they never really got into the fact that They never got into Tristan's feelings, hopefully feelings of guilt, over portraying his father, essentially. Yeah. Like, he should have been more torn about that. And I never felt like he was actually torn until he talked to Lord Mark and realized that, oh, you actually love her. Yeah, like, oh, this affects someone other than me. Yeah. And I was like, too late, buddy. Yeah. Because the other thing is, this is, like, this situation is unsustainable. And anyone with half a brain would know that. I mean, I know they're supposed to be being swayed by their great epic romance. But, like, Tristan lives in the same city. Like, you guys live in the same castle. Yeah. One day, Tristan is going to have to get married. And even if he doesn't, you guys can't continue to have 
an adulterous relationship for the rest of your lives and expect no one to notice. Yeah, I know. And they, they thought that they could just do whatever. They were really bad at hiding it. They felt it really made them feel like children. Yes. And that's this what whole they were time. Like. The, their general selfishness and their lack of any thought for the future really made them feel like children, which made it even less sympathetic. Yeah. It was also a little bit hard. Having seen how nice Mark is, it was a little bit weird that Tristan didn't just tell him. Because the other thing is, Mark named him his second. I mean, and even if he hadn't, he's essentially his son. Like, if Tristan had told him from the beginning, hey, just so you know, like, she's the woman that saved me in Ireland. We have, like, a thing together. And if nothing else, I deflowered her. Yeah. I feel like Lord Mark would have actually been okay. Like, he'd never met a soul. I feel like he would have been okay with them getting married and still having that form the alliance. I think so. It's weird that they didn't say anything. But even if that's not the case, even if it had to be Lord Mark that married her, telling the truth still would have been better because it means that he would have been allowed to leave the city. Yeah. Lord Mark was super opposed to him. He was like, I want to go north. And Lord Mark's like, no, you can't do that. But if he'd known. Yeah. Th- this was basically well, torture I'm actually for in him. love with your wife, so if I could just leave. Yeah. So part of it is this problem of, like, I feel like their their problems are even more self-created because they weren't honest with someone who's been nothing but generous and kind this whole movie. Yeah. Even though he's played by Rufus Sewell, so I instantly mistrusted him. <laughs> I know. There was no need to. I know. So, the, and then the other thing is, is sold was just really infuriating in the fact that she refused to go with him in the first place, and then she spends all of her time talking about how important love is. Yeah. Like, you don't get to have a personality that puts love before everything else, including, like, common decency, (laughs) and then also be someone who would deny your love because of a father that you already don't like in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Even though you chose to deny your love initially. Yeah, so it's it was you. real inconsistent characterization there. Yeah. How did it do? I know this was the last movie that this production company made before it went bankrupt. Yeah, so actually it turns out that that production company was up to some shady dealings. Oh no. So I guess the reason it went bankrupt was actually because of some, uh, like a couple lawsuits. Gotcha. But this movie didn't help. I actually don't know what the budget was on this movie, but it did make $28 million, which seems surprisingly high for how terrible this movie was. And I don't know how Ridley Scott spent 30 years thinking about making this, and this is what happened with it. (laughs) It seems like it just really felt like nobody thought about it or cared about it at all. Because what this felt like was a poor man's Romeo and Juliet. And in yes. fact, the tagline of the movie is before Romeo and Juliet, there was Tristan and Isolde. And I'm like, so now I'm already comparing these people yeah. to a play that's much better done. Oh, yeah. And yet this is so much older. And it influenced Arthurian legend. And it's been part of British culture forever. I mean... Well, and German culture. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of Europe has has this as a foundational legend, right? It's filtered through all over the place, yeah. and so the fact that this is a story that has spoken to people and really influenced people for so long, and then this is the movie that got made of it, really is an injustice to the source material. It is. It's so sad. 
<laughs> so next up, we're going to stick with our star-crossed lovers theme, but set in modern day, if modern day for you was 2000. And only the finest actors, Romeo Must Die, starring Aaliyah, Jet Li, Isaiah Washington. Okay, some of these people are good actors, but mm-hmm. also DMX is in there, so. <laughs> Balances everyone else out. kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.